It is the month of April, and welcome to another edition of Jonesing for Football. Bill Jones, along with young Cody Winstead, I'm in Dallas, Cody's in Philadelphia, and Cody, since it's the month of April, it means go time as far as the NFL draft is concerned. I love it, love it, I know. How many five-star players you got going in that notebook? (laughs) Hey, let me tell you something. I was up burning the midnight oil last night in my big green NFL draft scouting notebook. And I really think, I was just thinking about it before we came on here, that what has really happened for me and why I was really burning the midnight oil is because now we're in April, okay? It is time. These NFL scouts, they spend all year on the road. I mean, when you get done with a draft last year and you're all, you're, you're already on it. Even when the draft happens, they already know the next guy's coming out. For some of us, we got lives to lead. We got to have balance in our life. Well, my balance in my life, there's no balance this month because it's all about this. It's all about the big green NFL draft scouting notebook. As you know, Cody, There's a long-standing track record of success of finding five-star players in the Big Green Notebook. How many years is this on on the Big Green Notebook, Bill Jones? You know, the Big Green Notebook probably came into existence about 2010, and it was on the heels of the worst draft in Dallas Cowboys history in 2009. But really... My love of the draft started probably in 2005 when Bill Parcells was coaching the Cowboys and Bill Parcells wanted to draft Marcus Spears ahead of DeMarcus Ware. The Cowboys had two draft picks that year. And I told Bill Parcells in the hallway at Valley Ranch, no, I didn't tell him this. No one would tell him this, that no, the guy you need is D Ware. Now I like Spears. Okay. Too. But at number 11, you take D Ware at number 20, you get your five technique in your three, four defense you're putting in and so that is that's probably where you know seriously I think one of the reasons that the draft got so popular with with people and fans is it was when did YouTube come along when did when did YouTube become something that you could post videos and there's just an unlimited number of videos that is that is basically why the draft has become the, as Parcells would say, the cottage industry that it has become because you can very easily access video of all these guys in college. All their videos are posted. And if we didn't have YouTube, I mean, what are you doing? You're just relying on your memory. Right. Memory and combine numbers and some stats from some website. And you've got really no way to talk about the players and actually watch them play and know the inside and outside. It's what's amazing to me now on YouTube, you can watch entire games. Like I'll go back mm-hmm. and watch quarterbacks entire game <laughs> on YouTube. It's, it's you know what I, you know, and it's funny you say that because there've been years, there was one year I was intrigued by DJ Fluker, <laughs> Alabama. And what I was intrigued about with him was because he's got all those intangibles you look for as far as his passion and you know he's he had a a toughness a bruteness about him whatever but as you know he was slow-footed and so I'm sitting there going I want to get on DJ Fluker I want to really pound the table for DJ Fluker but I'm just not sure if he's got enough foot quickness in order to be able and so I would 
be on the elliptical with my iPad on the elliptical watching entire Alabama football games just to watch that right tackle and see if he's got enough foot speed to play in the NFL. The Chargers, apparently they spent enough time on their elliptical, or maybe they didn't spend enough time on their elliptical uh, watching him. They drafted him with the 10th overall pick and you know, uh, it was more suited to be a guard than a tackle, but anyway, it, it wasn't going to last long at that size anyway. But anyway, that's just a, a little anecdote from the past in the big green notebook. Oh, I love it. How about we talk about some running backs and some old linemen? Speaking of fluker, let's get into some old linemen and uh, some running backs. We'll start with the running backs, though, Bill Jones, because I know you've been studying them. I know you've gone through the list. You looked at the combine numbers. Uh, something I thought was interesting is – there have only been four running backs selected in the first round in the last three years combined. So will there be any this year? Uh, go ahead, Bill Jones, lead us off with uh, some of the guys you like there at the top. of the list. Okay. Well, I, I want you to lead us off because I think we've got the same guy. And uh, I know that, that you've done a lot of research on him, but I mean, really when you, when you break it down even without looking at video of these guys, there's one guy that stands out above the rest with his combine numbers, and that would be the running back from Iowa State, and that would be Brees Hall, who had who ran a 4.39 with a 40 vertical and a 10.6 broad jump, 5.11, 217 pounds, and you can see it on the tape. He's unanimous, first-team All-American uh, his last year at Iowa State. Uh, turns 20, he's young, he's 20 years old, he's got, you know, uh, fresh legs, even though he did carry the ball 718 times in college, but, uh, and he, he, he checks a lot of boxes, but I know you've done a lot of research on him. Let's, I think you start with Brees Hall with this running back class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you watch the big 12 more than anybody and he just dominated it. two time big 12 offensive player of the year. How about that NCAA record? a rushing touchdown in 24 consecutive games. Love that. Uh, when you go back and watch some interviews with Brees Hall, really great understanding of run game schemes, reading keys, setting up blocks. And so I just think he has a ton of room to grow. He should be a first round pick. I think he's going to be a dynamic rookie. The comp I have uh, for him would be someone like Jonathan Taylor, who somehow slipped to the second round. And he has been a monster. So think about that. Think if you can get a Jonathan Taylor type running back, how many teams would jump at something like that in the first round? I think when I just looking through the order in round one, the Cardinals at 23 to me makes sense. The Bills at 25. I think if the Bills get a dynamic running back, that would be uh, amazing for their offense. And I even looked at the Lions at 32. He'd be He'd be a great pick for them, but I think he's going to be the front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, well then, but there will be some who say that that's too high to take a running back. There are some who are insistent you don't take a running back in the in the first round because of the injury issues that running back have in the in the league and and the plethora of multiple running back teams uh, in the league. And you know the criticism the Steelers got for Najee Harris last year, but. He had a pretty good rookie year, and he was picked about that, that same slot that you've got Brees Hall at. Yep, for sure. And Najee is a great player. I think Brees Hall is going to be a similar impact. Can do it in the run game, can do it in the pass game as well. 
again, Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing. Why would someone not want to add that if that is going to be your mindset, your mentality of a team? To me, it's worth a first-round pick. I agree. Uh, I, I feel the same way. You know, and I, I've cited those uh, combine numbers on Brees Hall. Those show up on tape too. I mean, when you see him, he gets to the second level. There's a there's just a, a an easy speed that he has, a burst uh, to get to that second level. And you mentioned his interviews. He's got a confidence about him. In fact, uh, I don't know if you. Uh, uh, he, ba- he basically said, I wrote down a quote, nobody can do what I could do with a ball in my hand. He's, he just has this uh, He's a, a self-assuredness about him. Uh, you know, and you look at Iowa State and uh, what they've done with that program, uh, it's pre- pre- pretty remarkable what they have done. And I really like the running back that they had before Brees Hall, and that was David Montgomery uh, with the Bears. And it was like, it was as if, when they went to go recruit Brees Hall, he knew out of Wichita, Kansas, he knew that he would step right in because Montgomery was leaving and, and be their lead back. And sure enough, he was right from the get-go. He had 186 carries as a true freshman there at Iowa State. Another interesting little fact about him, his cousin, Roger Craig, uh, who had a pretty good NFL career with the San Francisco uh, 49ers. And uh, his uh, stepfather as well was a uh, played football at Nebraska, as did Roger Craig. So I guess Nebraska didn't recruit him. I don't know, but uh, he wound up at Iowa State, or or has Iowa State moved past Nebraska in the pecking order after the Huskers moved to the Big Ten? I don't know, but he's a good one, and he's right at my the top of my list. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about Iowa State. You're talking about Iowa State, Nebraska. Who's better? Which would kids prefer to go to? This is now our second podcast, breaking down position by position. And we actually talked about an Iowa State kid last week, Charlie Kohler, the tight end. And they actually have two tight ends that uh, might get drafted. So, yeah, Iowa State has plenty of offensive talent these days, it looks like. All right. Another guy uh, who won the Doak Walker Award is Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State, actually started his career at Iowa State. And you talk about a combine number. Uh, you got a Kenneth Walker, 5'9", 211 pounds. He ran a 4.38, right, right there, neck and neck with uh, with Brees Hall. But he, here's a guy who played two years at Wake Forest, and at Wake Forest had two straight seasons of 579 yards rushing, uh, both years. But he just blew it up at Michigan State uh, in his one year with the Spartans in 12 games, 1,636 yards rushing average, over six yards a carry and 18 touchdowns. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at Kenneth Walker much, but uh, here's a guy that's that's getting some love right alongside Brees Hall at the top of a lot of running back ratings. Yep, and he should be another kind of top of the second round guy, maybe end of the first round, depending on your style of offense. Great idea to transfer to Michigan State, right? That's If you're running back and you're looking to go somewhere, a Michigan State is a great place, a Wisconsin, you know, something along those lines where you know they're going to pound the rock and give you a chance to really be featured. And good for him. It turned out well. Um, and what's again, what's interesting, Wake Forest, they had a great year even without him. So that, that's uh, also good for both sides. On, on that yeah, track. that's right. You know, uh, you look at this running back class and the depth of the class, I, I think it, you're seeing it across the board at most every position in this draft coming out of the pandemic. And just the number of 
players in this draft as opposed to last year. In fact, Mike McCarthy uh, was talking about it uh, this week that the Cowboys normally, in a normal year, they have out of, you know, there are 250 players that, that go in the seven rounds of the draft every year. They have draftable grades on usually 150 to 160 players a year. Now, obviously, more than that get drafted, but that's the way they do it. They've got draftable grades on around 160 players. This year, he says they probably have draftable grades on 225 players in this draft. So that that's another basically two rounds of the draft. The depth of this draft is going to be much greater. For a team like the Cowboys, they've got Zeke Elliott, obviously, uh, long in the tooth. You got Tony Pollard going into his uh, free agency year, his contract year. In the, they got four fifth round draft picks. They could easily take a running back in the fifth round. And so some of these other guys could be on the table for any team on the third day of the draft. You're, I think you can get a good running back. Who's another guy that you've been looking at that uh, fits into that category that teams need to get on? Yeah, I like Rashad White from Arizona State. Projected a fourth or fifth round guy. I'm confident he could even come in and make an instant impact. Transferred to Arizona State after two years at Mount San Antonio College. <laughs> You'd think Mount San Antonio College would be in San Antonio, Texas. That's your old spot, <laughs> right, Bill Jones? You you would think that. But yeah, there, are, there aren't very many. Wait, wait. I lived in San Antonio for four years, and I can tell you, there aren't very many mountains in San Antonio. Exactly. The only mountains are are maybe there's a Greg Popovich mountain or a Tim Duncan or David Robinson mountain there, but there aren't any other mountains there. Right. Come to find out, news to me, it's in Walnut, California, just east of L.A. Uh, White was recruited to ASU by former Sun Devil coach and NFL linebacker Antonio Pierce, who also played college football at Mount San Antonio College. So White arrives in Tempe. His first year, he's honorable mention all Pac-12, and then blows up in 2021, second team all-conference, right around 1,500 scrimmage yards for the Sun Devils, 16 touchdowns, and his production on the field was matched out by his measurables at the Combine. 4.48 speed, plenty good enough to play in the league, a 38-inch vertical, a broad jump of 10.5. And my favorite thing about this dude, incredibly humble. Two years ago, like I said, playing in low-level college football, and now he's on the verge of being an NFL draft pick. It's like every single question he's asked, he's thankful for everything. He's always giving credit to his coaches, giving credit to his teammates. So I love the attitude of Rashad White. And I think he's going to be a nice player. Again, probably a day three guy, but someone that could come in as definitely a number two tailback and spell a starter somewhere. And he could be, uh, you know, eventually take the number one spot for a team as well. You know, before you told me you wanted to talk about Rashad White, I already had him penciled in as the guy that I wanted to talk about. So I let you talk about him instead. And one of the reasons, you know, you look at the combine, 38 vertical, 10 and a half, or 10.5 uh, broad jump, uh, who does he remind you of? Is there anybody that he reminds you of? Because I've, 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 his coach, he reminds his coach of somebody. Uh, who do you think? Let me think about it. Give me His, give me his coach, Herm Edwards, says he reminds him of Marcus Allen. 
the way he runs. He's not saying he's Marcus Allen. He's not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but he's got the same mannerisms as uh, Marcus Allen. And Herm Edwards knows Marcus Allen. From, I think he may have even coached. Uh, I can't remember if he would have played with or coached with coached him uh, late in, his, in Marcus Allen's career. But Rashad White, how many stars? We're looking for five-star players. How many stars did he have out of Center High School in Kansas City, Missouri? Maybe one. Maybe he had, z- he had zero. Zero stars. <laughs> zero star player. And he actually started his career not at Mount San Antonio College, but at Nebraska Kearney. Yep. Redshirted there. Yep. So and, and I he's got he's got that straight ahead speed. Uh although he, he timed four four eight, which is fine. He's got a, a stop and start speed about him when you watch him uh run he's got a vision as well and i got i also have mentioned here humble grateful for the opportunity uh keep an eye on rashad white out of arizona state all right a couple of other guys that i've been looking at one guy i'm familiar with uh just because he went to ou and i've watched him ever since he was in high school at mansfield high school here in the dallas fort worth area uh he's a he's a third day guy Sat out the COVID year in 2020, came back at Oklahoma this year and had uh, 1,253 yards and 13 touchdowns. He won the Texas game for him uh, with a game-winning touchdown run. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, 5'11", 209 pounds, ran a 4.59. I always said even back in high school, you meant to talk about Marcus Allen. He ran like Marcus Allen uh, in high school. Uh, he's got – it's interesting because he, he only ran a four five nine, but when he's on the football field, he's got a lot more speed than what I thought he had. I mean, he he runs away from people on the field. Three years at OU, uh, had over a thousand yards rushing every year, thirty three hundred yards in his career. He won the prestigious Landry Award in high school at Mansfield High School, which goes to the top high school player in North Texas. I'm a part of that selection process, so Very I know him from way guess. back. What's that? Very prestigious. Very prestigious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, Kyler Murray won it too. And I'm not really sure if on the Kyler Murray mantle, if he has the Heisman Trophy or the Landry Award more prominently displayed. I, I suspect it might be the, the Landry Award. He I'm probably not, gave sure. the Heisman to his, his parents, let them have the, <laughs> that a little award. He wants the Landry Award on his that, own. That's right. That's right. Uh, so there's a name, Kennedy Brooks. And again, he's, he's a third day guy. A couple of other guys I want to mention. Uh, Tyler Al- Algier from BYU, 5'11", 224 pounds, good size. He runs a lot like Kennedy Brooks. Uh, he had an amazing story. He was a walk-on there, single mom. When he was born, he had the Umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. He was in, and he was in ICU for uh, a couple of weeks in the hospital. They weren't sure if he was going to survive, but his life is filled with overcoming adversity, uh, and he's got a humility about him. But he ran for 1,600 yards this past year for BYU, averaged six yards a carry, 23 touchdowns, caught the ball 28 times for another 200 yards. Uh, I, I like Tyler Algier out of, out of uh, BYU. Uh, he's another guy, he, like Kennedy Brooks, he ran a 4'6", and, and, but likely a third-day guy. Uh, and who was the other guy I was looking at even just uh, this morning? Oh, Bam Knight from NC State. 
you know, and this will transition us into the offensive lineman because he's a pretty good left tackle at North Carolina State, who you're familiar with. But Zonovan Bam Knight is another one to keep an eye out. And if you're looking for a guy who can return kicks as well, he had three kickoff returns for touchdowns at uh, North Carolina State and had a level of consistency in his three years there. Uh, so there's there's a couple of other guys to keep an eye out for. How about we get into some offensive linemen? You mentioned it. You want to hit some of the guys at the top, or do you have uh, a couple guys you want to focus on and and um, and get into? Well, let's mention off the top because they're in contrast, really, to recent. I mean, there there have been some offensive tackles that have gone early in the draft, but there's three guys that are being talked about as potential top ten picks in this draft, and what is a very deep draft and. I don't know how closely you've looked at the two at the top of the list, but uh, Ika McQuanu of North Carolina State, left tackle, 6'4", 310 pounds, ran a 4.93 at the combine, can move. I've got all caps, very bright. He had offers from Harvard and Yale uh, coming out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, wound up at NC State, unanimous All-American, or Evan Neal from Alabama, who is – Six, seven and a half, 337 pounds, captain of the Crimson Tide, three-year starter, his first year in 2019, 13 starts at left guard, the COVID year in 2020, 12 starts at right tackle, and then this past year, unanimous first-team All-American, as well as Iquanu, uh, at left tackle, made 15 starts, and uh, you probably have seen the box jump that he did uh, that got posted and went viral on YouTube. He's got tremendous athleticism. I mean, you talk about five-star players. Icky and Evan are at the top of the list. And then the other guy is Charles Cross from Mississippi State. I've got some more reservations about him. He's got good athleticism. But these other two, I mean, if you're looking for a left tackle, it is a no-brainer. And if you just figure out which one that you want, flip a coin and take either one of them, Evan Neal or uh, Icky from North Carolina State. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of the cornerback battle last year between Patrick Sertan Jr. and J.C. Horn. One went to Alabama, that was Sertan, and he was very by the book. His, his dad played in the league. And you could just see he had been taught how, how to play cornerback. He'd, he'd done it his entire life and everything was technically sound. And then you had JC Horn, who was a little bit more raw, who played the game a little bit more aggressively, uh, but just his style was a little bit different than Sertan. And that's how this offensive tackle situation is uh, a little bit more. Evan Neal, everything by the book. He looks like if you're going to draw up how to play tackle, this is how you do. The hands are in the right spot. Everything is perfect. And then Iki Aquanu is a little bit more raw. It looks like he has a little bit more room to grow, but still gets the job done. So I think it's an interesting comparison between those two guys. And, uh, okay, another thing on uh, Iki. All right, he was a state champ wrestler in high school, and he ran the – at 285 pounds, he w- ran the anchor leg of his high school sprint relay team. That was a championship sprint relay team. <laughs> 208. That shows uh, enough said. All right. I'm taking, he wins the battle right there. Icky wins, as far as I'm concerned. Bill Jones, it's not fair how some people get all the talents. He does that. He's 285. 
He goes and plays college football. He's going to be one of the top five picks in the draft. And he could have gone to the Ivy League if he wanted. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to go play in the NFL. I'd rather go do some Ivy League stuff and turn into like a computer scientist or something and like change the world that way. Incredible. I mean, which means if you're if you're going to if you have offers from Harvard or Yale, that means you scored like fifteen hundred on the SAT or thirty five on the ACT, whatever. I mean, incredible. So anyway. Uh, close the book on them. All right. You want, you want a left tackle? There you go. Take either one of those guys. As far as I'm concerned, I think they're both going to be great. Let me give you my offensive lineman, Bill Jones, because I talked about him briefly on a previous edition of Jonesing for football. And his name is Zion Johnson from Boston college. Going to be a first round guy. Not quite sure where he's going to go. He's not going to go top five. He's not going to probably go top 10. But he is climbing boards slowly. If you're looking for a guy that's going to play 10-plus years, probably make five-plus Pro Bowls, this is your guy. Three-time All-ACC player, two-time captain. And he did it after starting his college career at Davidson of the FCS. Yes, Steph Curry's school has a football team as well. Johnson, an offensive guard projected in the NFL. A lot of versatility, though. That's why I like him. He actually played guard in 2019. Then he went out to tackle in 2020. Then he went back to guard in 2021. He allowed zero quarterback pressures last year and just one sack in nearly 2,300 snaps as an Eagle uh, gotta love that. He's already graduated. Speaking of all these brilliant offensive linemen, already graduated with a degree in computer science. He's now working on his master's with a focus in cyber security policy and governance. So not only are you getting an <laughs> offensive lineman, he could probably assist the IT department as well if you need that. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, Bill Jones, He'd be a great pick for the Dallas Cowboys at 24. And come to find out, Daniel Jeremiah, my guy, he agrees. He has the Cowboys selecting Johnson in his latest mock. Uh, A couple other options that would make sense for Johnson, the Texans and the Bears, who he'd be very good to help protect their young quarterback. So Zion Johnson, going to be a first-rounder. And I think he's getting enough steam now, Bill Jones. I'm worried that he's going to be moving up into the teens and he might not be there for the Cowboys at 24. You know, what's interesting about that, and and this this is where I caution people on, uh, when you see guys move up and you see that that a guy, and I agree with everything that you've said about him. I mean, he, he is very, very impressive as a human being. I mean, he one of the things that I look at is on, on these guys, when the draft, when it comes to the draft, these are core players for your franchise. Hopefully, for the next decade, for sure, the next half decade. These are guys setting the tone for for what you want to do, the culture of your of your team. And and he, I mean, he, he was two time captain uh, at Boston College, and he he'll be a multiple time captain at whatever team uh, that drafts him. But I will caution that. One of the reasons that he is climbing in all the so-called experts uh, mock drafts or whatever is the way he timed, which is it's great. I mean, what what he did at the combine, 
when you've got 32 bench reps at 225 pounds, a 32 vert, and you run a 738 cone, and uh, you know this explosion number is over 70, which is a great number, uh, and you got all that going for you. Um, I, I will say this, okay, why didn't he start? more than half the games is his first year at Boston College. That raises an eyebrow to me. Okay, he had he played 13 games, only had seven starts at left guard. All right, so is he a late bloomer? I'm not sure. He started 11 games at left tackle for Boston College his last year there and, and did all the things that you're talking about there. But uh, I just caution because his numbers, his combine numbers are so far above everybody else is at from his athleticism. That could be a reason that he is climbing the charts. And it's because of the position he plays. He may not be as high a first round draft pick as his athleticism shows. There's are, there are teams who will not draft an offensive guard in the middle of the first round. And so I think, but I, I would not have a quarrel at all if the Cowboys at 24 drafted him. Uh, if he's the guy that that they say, you know, is their you know second coming is Zach Martin or whatever at, at the guard position, then great. Uh, so anyway, that, that's one thing I'll point out about him. Kenyon Green is another one from Texas A&M who's in that same range. He doesn't have the same combine numbers uh, that Zion has. Uh, I, I do like his tape, and he was a team captain at A&M. He's got a he's got a good foundation. He's got. He plays with with uh, really good balance, I think, as an offensive guard. And so I think he would be a very solid pick. I wouldn't have a problem, like, for instance, the Cowboys at 24. Another guy that I'll point out uh, is the center from Iowa, Tyler Linderbaum. You go back 30 years ago, Cody, in, uh, when, when Jerry Jones first bought the Cowboys in 1989. You know how many 300-pound offensive linemen there were in the NFL at that point? 32 years ago, how many 300-pound offensive linemen were in the NFL? Ten. There were like four. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, how many offensive linemen in the NFL are under 300 pounds? Ten. I would say probably about four. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler Linderbaum, 6'2", 296 pounds, okay, but this guy can move, I mean, off the snap, and he is technically as sound, as a, and that's why he's getting a lot of first-round love. And, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, as a center, uh, he, came, he, he came to Iowa, actually, and this shows his athleticism as a defensive lineman, converted to center his second year there. Iowa has produced a lot of uh, really good offensive linemen in the league. He reminds me of Jason Kelsey. Uh, he's got Jason Kelsey movement ability. And I look, went back and looked at Kelsey. You know what? How much Kelsey weighed when he came out at, in 2011 at the combine? Jason Kelsey's weight. What do you think it was? 290. 280. He wow. was 280 pounds. And I, he's probably 300 now. I don't know. He, he may be one guy who's been a, a a Pro Bowl player who's under 300 pounds in this league, but he plays that center position so well. I think that's what you're getting in Tyler Linderbaum is, is a Jason Kelsey. And who knows, the Eagles might be a team that uh, would be interested in him. I'm not sure. Yeah, Kelsey is uh, basically announced that this is his final season. Right. And they did draft Landon Dickerson last year, who has the potential to 
move to center uh, from guard to or center. Or he could play guard, yeah. Or he so, could play guard. So, yeah, I yeah. think yeah, a center is uh, probably in the mix for the Eagles. And I got two more. Uh, if you're looking for an offensive guard, two more guys I'll throw out, and uh, that would be Ed Ingram from LSU, from DeSoto, Texas, and Cade Mays from Tennessee, who are guys that uh, might be uh, mid-round guys that uh, – if you if you're looking for guys that might eventually be starters in this league to take in you know third fourth round, uh, those are those are two guys that I that I was up past midnight last night discovering. Love it. See what's interesting, Bill Jones, is these old line positions, especially the interior. To me, probably more than any other position, you can get fourth round, fifth round, sixth round guys that start day one, like last year. One of my best predictions was being high on Trey Smith from Tennessee and Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Both were selected by the Chiefs. Both were basically day one starters. And Creed Humphrey was one of the best damn centers in the entire league this last year. So you can get really good interior offensive linemen kind of later in the draft. I don't know why they seem to slip through the cracks, but more than any position, I think they do. Yeah, and it, and that's and that's why I was talking about Zion Johnson as a guy who may not be as high a first round pick as some project because they they just don't put the value on those interior offensive linemen. But I think Ingram and Mays are two guys who, even though they may be third fourth round picks, are going to come in and they're going to start immediately in the, in the National Football League. Both those guys. Yeah, I love it. Let's uh, let's wrap some things up. We've got another podcast to do. Uh, let's talk about some perfect fits. I've, I've gone through, you've gone through, and we're going to match up some players with some teams, some perfect fits, what makes sense uh, here in the first round. Can't wait to hear what you have coming up on the next edition of Jonesing for Football. All right, and that will be next time. Thanks for joining us here for Jonesing for Football.